generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... Welcome to Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love and universal consciousness, with your host, Janet Kira Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Together, we transform the world. And now, here are your hosts, Janet Kira and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. And I'm your host, Janet Kira Lesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson. And today, our guest is John Titer II, and our producer is Thomas Becker, also known as a mad painter. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about our guest before I bring him on. Um, his newest book is called Chronicles. Uh, continued, or continued Chronicles of John Titus II, and it was released in September of this year. And a couple questions. Mankind's destiny, a closely guarded secret. Will mankind continue to survive? Everyone deserves to know the answer. Is the future reserved for a select group of people? Will the government finally disclose the secret space program? Will off-world colonies for the select few continue to be kept secret? Are the off-world colonies the destination for a few as the environment collapses? Will global warming wreak havoc on the Earth and end civilization on the planet? So John Tyner II entered duty with the Air Force as an airman in the U.S. Air Force at Dulce, New Mexico. Specifically trained because of his abilities to become an officer and a pilot, he received intensive training on the latest airframes and power plants available. This included the TR-3B spacecraft, and John Tyler commanded the 177th Time Travel Division. Later, he was given command of a combat group in eliminating a threat to the planet by extraterrestrials. 
So I have a full bio for John on the website, AquarianRadio.com. And Sasha, Dr. Lesson, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? We can hear you, yes. I'm really excited to have uh, John back here. I, you know, as, I'm, as you probably know, I'm a student of the uh, Anunnaki, and uh, everything John has uh, told us is totally consistent with uh, the, the kind of reports that I've been getting from my Anunnaki informants, uh, namely that of, of the Nibirans, uh, uh, Enki uh, it has been in charge of the quantum co- um, computer. Basically, that means he is uh, the age of Aquarius, means that we're going to be entering into a place where there's manifestation uh, from, from, from the minds through revelations, so to speak. Uh, and that's very exciting. And, 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 and Lil, who as Yahweh had did so many uh, very uh, brutal things, it would seem, uh, from our population's perspective, uh, was made uh, in charge uh, uh, by Anu of, of, the, uh, of the treasury, as unlimited treasury. Now, it all comes down to, and Lil has reached enlightenment, and has his own planet, which is a level five uh, uh, civilization, and it's uh, and it, and because he's at such a level now of manifestation, he isn't petty at all now. He wants to help us. And John Titer, our time traveler, uh, uh, has directly had contact with Yahweh, who explains how this level five civilization can be and why there's still hope if we just listen to the message. And I want to just tell you some of the message that John's latest book says. Uh, I'm quoting him. The Anunnaki have provided technology to the United States of America. Cloning technology that created you, John, this is what uh, Yahweh said, came from us with the help of Rock, that's uh, John's uh, uh, Zeta uh, friend. Both you and Marcia, that's, that's John's wife, uh, were created from Lilith and myself, directly from Lilith and Yahweh. We were trying to create humans that would be akin to us, that would help us carry the message of friendship to all Earth. Yahweh said, take our message of friendship to the United Nations and speak to them of forming an alliance or federation with other species from nearby worlds. It is time to bring Earth into com- a community of different species provide security and stable for all. Abandon nuclear weapons immediately. John, tell us what these levels of civilization are and what's in store from us in your meeting with Yahweh, please. Well, I, I met with Yahweh in person some time ago now. Uh, it's been um, almost a year since I've uh, gone to uh, the planet that uh, basically, uh, the Anunnaki retreated to after what was a war on Earth and Mars, and I am now told Venus also, and that at one time there was a, an extremely uh, high-level civilization on Earth and Mars and Venus, and these planets communicated, but the, it was an Anunnaki civilization and there was a war and this explains a lot of what we call neolithic uh, sites all over our planet uh, if you look at uh, Puma Punku that is 
a site where no one can explain who built it. But from all the information I've been given, the Anunnaki built it, and it was destroyed by them because there was what amounted to a civil war among the Anunnaki. And it was horrific. But what it did, it took mankind practically back to the Stone Age. And all this can be easily verified. When you look at uh, Neolithic sites all over the world and you see massive stones that we still cannot lift today that were being lifted then and that were cut precisely, this is the signature of the Anunnaki. And at some places in Peru, you will see these Neolithic sites where we have very precisely cut stones, and then the Aztecs came along, or the Incas, excuse me, the Incas came along and built on top of it. And there are many sites like this where the Anunnaki were gone, but the Inca built on top of these stones that were precisely cut. And uh, one of the people that uh, points this out uh, in his books is Brian Forster. And he, he does it uh, on some YouTube clips also. But when you see it, uh, it's just startling. You see what was built tens of thousands of years ago, and then the more recent building by the local tribes, right on top of it. In Pumapunku, one of my favorite sites, the Indians say, we didn't build it. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, they're, they're just site after site all over the world like that. And, and I've come to realize, and I think a lot of other people too, is that the Egyptians did not build the pyramids or the Sphinx, any of it. It was built by the Anunnaki. And it was part of a power yeah. grid. It's it's just incredible. But we're we're facing so many uh, other challenges right now. Mankind has done so much to poison the planet. We have uh, a tremendous amount of refuse in the Caribbean, uh, Gulf of Mexico, in the Atlantic, in the Pacific. Uh, the oceans are being poisoned at horrific rates, and the fisheries are dying off. And at the same time, we are seeing uh, the air quality go down, the water quality go down. All the fracking that has gone on here in the United States has ruined lots of groundwater everywhere, everywhere. And I have communicated my concerns about this uh, to uh, Ban Ki-moon, uh, I've communicated to Obama when he was president, uh, I've attempted to speak to the United Nations, and I put those letters that I wrote uh, in my last book, uh, Continued Chronicles of John Titer II. And it's just astounding to me that I'm meeting the same resistance and attempting to talk to the United Nations that uh, Gordon Cooper did. Uh, he also right. attempted 
to talk to the United Nations on this subject of extraterrestrials, and he's not met with any success during his lifetime. And uh, I continue to lobby for the environment and talk to people about extraterrestrials. And I, I recently reached what I, I thought was a, a landmark in my, my life. Um, Marsha uh, rushed to me the other day with the people that do our fulfillment on the books, uh, Authorized Chronicles of John Titer II, and Continued uh, Chronicles of John Titer II. And we have sold worldwide 75,000 books. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. And Good I never job. expected that we would sell that many books. And I'm always asked, you know, to uh, write in the, the front cover of the book, you know, my autograph and then something to a special person that the book has been bought for. And, and we accomplished this. Uh, they basically uh, bring me the books and say, here's what goes in this one and here's what goes in that one. And I, I sign them and they get them mailed off. And, and literally all over the world I'm being read. But I'm still not getting to the people I wanted to in Washington, D.C., much to my uh, frustration. And on the other hand, I've been told that there is an elite group in Washington, D.C., and their plan is that they will just, when the environment no longer supports mankind on this planet because of the environment, mm -hmm. uh, the plan is to move to uh, colonies on exoplanets that are nearby. And there are well, at least 10 planets. You know, well, John, I don't think that's acceptable. <laughs> that would mean billions of people would die. And I don't think that's acceptable for any culture to leave that type of legacy throughout the, the universe, throughout the galaxy. Uh, we are in a universal uh, culture. Whether some people acknowledge it or not, it's happening. There's too many whistleblowers and contactees, experiencers. There are millions of people that have had contact with extraterrestrials. Uh, there are, I don't know how many whistleblowers now. There, a few years ago, there were two or three hundred that had come forth that had been into these projects. You're a whistleblower. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be accepted. We're not going to go down... Uh, without, I don't want to say fighting it like the term, but without uh, waking up the world. We're going to reach critical mass, and, and because you sold that many books, I think that's an implication. We've just begun, and we're going to continue here on, on Revolution Radio and Aquarian Radio Network and keep doing shows with you. So I know you've been talking to Yahweh, who's Edwell, and lately we've had a lot of people come forth to identify as Anunnaki, incarnations or, or fractals or threads or whatever you want to call it and so we're relaunching with the Anunnaki series and we're going to start waking up this planet so let's go um, I know it seems very uh, dire but I know there's solutions when you had a conversation with Yahweh about yes. this problem and he wants he, he gave you the dictate to take the message to you know, the United Nations, like, they're really going to listen. They don't listen to anything. But I think we take it to the people, and we can vote with our wallets and those type of things. What was his 
message to you? What did he tell you? I mean, he certainly has ideas on how we can reverse everything. I know that the um, Adelaki's culture, how far in advance of our culture is uh, the Anadaki society? Is it a level level six or something? Can you explain the levels level five. to us and what that means? Level well, five, yeah. What? So there they was have a, a they know how to scientist that came up with the Kardashev scale, and it is the best way to judge uh, the level of a civil, civilization. And I, I studied the Kardashev scale, and then I was told that when I met Yahweh uh, on, on his homeworld, I was meeting someone that uh, basically had created a level five society. The advancement of this civilization technologically is, is hard to describe, but I would say that uh, whatever they want to create, they create it. And uh, they, they uh, don't really have uh, roads as we know it. Everybody has some kind of uh, vehicle that will fly them to a destination and the, basically they punch in a destination and it flies them there without crashing. <laughs> and, and they have cars to fly? Yes. Uh, they, they don't really have anything like we do with airplanes and uh, exhaust from engines and things like that. Everything is based on a technology uh, that is levitation. And that's what they, they use to uh, transport everything. It's hard for me to go on when I still keep thinking about if, if he is our friend, he now wants to friend us, and he's level five. And at level five, as I understand it, he's the master of uh, energy, and he can manifest what he thinks. Uh, uh, anyway, you know, you, they, and he wants to help us. What, what does he say to do? How can, we, how can you and I and Janet do something? Uh, uh, is it, and I think it really comes down to uh, how can we uh, get the power elite uh, to uh, have compassion for the planet? And, and I've been grappling this uh, situation with uh, the president, uh, Donald Trump, and he is all about commerce and profits for business and creating jobs, but when it comes to the environment, uh, everything I have tried to say falls on deaf ears or doesn't make its way to the Oval Office. Uh, I recently complained about uh, bringing trophies back from Africa in the, in the form of mm -hmm. uh, animals like lions and elephants killed for sport. I'm very much against it. And yeah. he, he held off uh, allowing it to happen, but he, he just doesn't understand the environment or environmentalists. We, we just have to corner him and tell him. And I've told him that if he doesn't become an environmentalist, his chances in 2020 are going to be nil. And 
Well, it doesn't seem he really cares. I mean, I don't know how, how you communicate with him. Are you a, a friend of his, or do you have access to him to have a dialogue? Uh, we, sh we trade emails. I traded emails with Obama, and Obama listened better than Donald does so far, uh, although I, I really complained about uh, trophies from Africa and things like that. But I, I've, I've literally told him, you know, if he wants another turn, he's going to have to become an environmentalist. Uh, what Yahweh told me was that you ha we have to, as in a species, look at the planet and say, we have to clean up the oceans now. You can't dump anything in the oceans. Everything comes from the oceans. They need to be cleaned up. And that that is one part of it. The other part is the internal combustion engine needs to be outlawed. You just have a date. Yeah. And you say, we're all going to electric vehicles. Yes, that will help. But everything now, I mean... We, we have to do these things not in 10 years now. Um, right. It, it's, it's dire because in my conversations with Stephen Hawking, uh, we, we talked about mankind as a species and how much time we had left on this planet. And he said maybe 100 years. But I don't think that he was taking into account uh, Fukushima and then some of the other things that are still going on. And Fukushima uh, destroyed uh, fisheries all across the Pacific, all the way to Alaska. And we're, we've not felt the full weight of that yet. Well, so, that was, uh, John, was that in, you know, there were was so many people. Yes, yeah, go that's ahead. intentional because... There are so many people that I know personally that had cures for Fukushima, and whenever they would try to, you know, bring it out or implement it, they were met with huge resistance. It seems to me that you know this planet's been taken over by hostile entities. Like the, you know, there's a theory out there that the reptilians have got control of the planet, and these are species that are terraforming the planet, and um, so the environment that results from all this. Pollution is uh, more, uh, they're more acclimated to survive and thrive in that type of environment. That's why they want to terraform it. What do you think of that, that theory? Because it doesn't make sense on a human level. Uh, Trump, maybe he's been taken over or cloned or the black goo got him or something, but he doesn't act, he doesn't act normally like a normal human being. Like, yes, let's care about the environment. Let's clean it up. You know, he's got children and grandchildren. What's going on with this man that he just doesn't care that his uh, children this will be able to grow up on Earth? This falls to what I learned from Bigelow Aerospace in Nevada. And they make uh, pods that you basically inflate in space that become living space for uh, our species and cargo for our species, and you can basically take very large freighters of these pods to other colonies. And I know that two colonies are now self-sufficient and can take on more 
people. And I've been invited to live at one as an administrator. I, I turned that down. I also turned down an offer to live uh, back on the planet that Yahweh controls. And Marsh and I talked it over, uh, and we w will not go. Uh, eventually, uh, if I'm still alive at the very end, then Marsh and I will probably uh, migrate with uh, close people to us. Uh, we'll take a, a, a certain amount of people with us, and we will go to one of the, the colonies that are self-sufficient. How and many people can you take with you? <laughs> <laughs> I am limited. Everybody's going to get buddy buddy with you. <laughs> I, I am very limited. Uh, I could probably take uh, around 50 souls. Oh, that's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, uh, John, one of the th uh, things that some of my informants have said is that uh, the, the Zeta Grays uh, had decided to uh, help us. Uh, and they have uh, may actually made a uh, deal with the with the U.S. to to create the hybrids who would be adapted to the uh, realization that we are uh, an extraterrestrial contact and there is hope and we can use the technologies and that our hope is in these young in these younger people that uh, that are not that have the the larger uh, uh, they're the ones that buy your book that understand what you're saying, that, that realize that you're offering hope directly from, uh, uh, from Yahweh. And uh, it's like, wow, uh, uh, we know from um, uh, Sitchin's writings that uh, Enki and uh, Prince Marduk had the means of clearing up the uh, radiation when the nuclear cloud from Sodom and Gomorrah and Sinai blew over Sumer, over Iraq. They, they already have those means, and Mr. Kishi uh, has shown that you can easily clean up uh, Fukushima. There are interests that are uh, Janet's identifying as reptilian, but whoever they are, uh, we can still the hope that I have is that we can use empathy, that we can use our great capacity to uh, feel their, their hearts and make some kind of compromise so that we don't have to uh, have a bloody war to overthrow this elite or just die because we don't fight. There's got to be a middle way, I think. Well, the, the, the complication to the environment is uh, the chaos theory, is that when people go hungry in third world countries because the fisheries are gone, then you have a, a level of domestic violence and local laws overthrown, and then uh, law at a higher level is overthrown. And then you have whole countries uh, that uh, are run by warlords, and you have a lot of warring countries uh, fighting each other, and uh, chaos will just spread. If you look at the level of crime that is ever-increasing, just here in the United States, uh, you may not see it from your point of view where you are in the islands, but here in the United States, uh, the, the cycle of violence is, is escalating, and that's because wow. we have a, a civilization here in the United States where uh, we don't uh, try to groom 
young people to enter the workforce, uh, the amount of gangs and gang activity uh, all over the United States is increasing all the time. And uh, some of it falls to illegal aliens that are an issue. And then we also have another problem with immigration in, in the United States. But the entire world is having an immigration problem now with people living uh, in the West that have come from the Middle East and they're not integrating. They're trying to bring what they had back home in the Middle East to Western civilization. And it's not working. And so we're, we're getting uh, acts of terrorism. And we're seeing a country like Norway. And, and they've taken in immigrants there. And now their, their entire country is in physical crisis, crisis because they can't afford to do it anymore. And they, they are encountering a level of chaos from these immigrants. It's incredible. Well, you know, it comes down to what, what do you do about uh, uh, people whose ideology is that they have to either kill, kill you if you don't convert. And if you convert and it isn't genuine, they'll kill you anyhow. It's like the Inquisition, things that uh, Western Christians gave up a long time ago. Uh, but there's still there's this medieval kill everybody else trip. And is there any way we can reach these people? One of the things I can think of is stop using their damn oil. Well, yeah. uh, oil is uh, not a solution, uh, but it's part of the problem. I, I will give you that. What I thought for a while was that if extraterrestrials would come out into the open and say, we're here and we don't use oil, we use electricity, that would have helped. But the problem that mm -hmm. I get back, I get pushback from the Greys uh, and from the Tall Whites and the Anunnaki. They say, uh, you, you don't have a great record of working with other species. Uh, you have a lot of racism going on within your own species, and we're, we're not ready to try that. Uh, I, I well, was at we need to go outside of our box here. The reason we don't have a good record is because we don't have all the information. To be fair, that humanity's been manipulated and controlled and full fed uh, propaganda and, and a, a, an ulterior motive and agenda since we were created. And so that, that has to come out. The truth will set us all free. And there needs to be basic truths that apply across the board, like thou shalt not kill. And that's an absolute crime and sin. And so war should be illegal. And any other killing on, on that basis, illegal. And people who do not want to abide by it, you know, they're, we once had Botany Bay colonies. Send them somewhere else and isolate them. You have to protect the good, innocent people from those who would just come in. And, and that's, a, that's what happened in the secret space program. My friend is in the, in the uh, military there and there are, are people that just come in, beings that come in and just uh, kill and pillage and plunder and rape and you know all that stuff. So you absolutely have to protect your citizenry against those types of ideology. 
And if we become truly telepathic, we're going to know, and I know we have that ability, it's been turned off, turn back on our telepathy. Then you'll know the motivations of people around you, and those people can absolutely be quarantined and set somewhere else. We, we have space travel. That's my thoughts. Just isolate the people with uh, these violent thoughts and ideologies. Well, At least begin with that. One of the things, when, when I visited the Anunnaki, uh, I was struck with the fact that they didn't have crime. Uh, they prayed to a god. All the Anunnaki believe in a god. And that that's struck me as being very interesting. But they also said at the same time that we are very quick to put down fake ears or people that say they are communicating directly with God. They have to prove it or they are a criminal. It's, it's that simple. So what is God to them? What, what do you mean they pray to God? Are they praying to a, a humanoid or are they praying to a, a non-physical entity? And, and uh, they, they all are uh, given uh, a path to worship in their own way. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, but I was told that they don't allow for, you know, like I said, that we have televangelists. And they said, yeah, we know. And I said, and, and they get rich. And, and they said, we wouldn't allow that here. You know, I mean, it's just... It's so much more cut and dry that. Someone says that they're communicating with God, they're probably going to end up uh, being interviewed and then they'll decide what to do with them. But uh, is there a supreme being? And they tell me, absolutely, yes. And, and when I, I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the Kardashev scale and it goes up to five. And they say that there are supreme beings in the universe. And what they're capable of is, is nothing less than miraculous. But they're not omnipresent. They are not. And and we we were taught that in the Bible that God was omnipresent. No. And I think that's realistic. I, I, I think that's what it is. Explain what you mean by omnipresent. God is, is omnipresent means he is everywhere at the same time and listening. Right. And and they say, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Okay, so then when they're praying, are they just uh, telepathically communicating, like sending out a signal? What does that mean, praying? Convey a message. Okay? They're, they're you know, right. either they're, they're praying uh, thankfully or they're they're praying for uh, a loved one or, or something like that, you know. So how do, um, they, do they pray? Do they prayer? do it in groups in a, a certain place? Do they sing? Uh, do they have pretty things? What, what's the praying like? Um, yeah. I wasn't privy to watching them uh, during a religious ceremony, but I was told that they do it in groups and they have uh, places. Uh, Locations set aside for it, yes, but the, you Thank know, you. like uh, they uh, were quick to tell me, you know, like nothing pagan, uh, <laughs> you nothing know, pagan. Like, uh, you know. I, I said, well, mankind used to sacrifice, you know, like 
sheep or goats or firstborn or whatever. And, and they said, they said that's barbaric, isn't it? I said, yes. Right. Yes. And so then, then we even talked about uh, Jerusalem and the, and the first temple. And, and they said they observed the first temple and they were upset with uh, money changers in the temple and, and things that went on in the temple. And they, they said it became a for-profit institution. And, and that's what Jesus encountered. When he went to, did they who, who set up these temples? I mean, these were ignorant people. They had to learn the, uh, about temples, about God, about religion from the Anunnaki because they were completely, you know, out in the wild and ignorant. So, who who taught them wrong in the first place? The the Anunnaki uh, are quick to say that they were uh, mistaken as gods, but they felt. Uh, on the one hand, if they didn't say anything, that they received the cooperation of the people, the native peoples. And so they, they didn't present it that way, but the people interpreted it that way. And you have to understand, when you see the Anunnaki flying overhead, okay, uh, in a vehicle that uses levitation, you know, I mean... You think, well, they're going with the gods, and that's what that's what was witnessed in Mesopotamia, and they saw it and they said they're gods, and and what they were were right. beings that that had superior knowledge and technology. That's it. Yeah, right. So that's you know what, what I get from two really dramatic things. One is uh, my ancestor, great ancestor. Jacob actually fought one of them into a and and won, and he was given a a, a blessing uh, uh, for that. Uh, that that was uh, one instance. The other instance in the Battle of Troy, uh, Diomedes actually uh, cut Inanna's arm, and she bled before the other uh, Anunnaki got her out of there. So so that we realized, uh, and the Anunnaki realized too that uh, that they're not invincible, and that we. Uh, they were that we could be dangerous too. Absolutely, I, I, mankind is very dangerous, uh, and and we were, I think, here in the United States after the detonation uh, in New Mexico when they they detonated the first atomic bomb at White Sands, New Mexico. That's when extraterrestrial species started paying attention to this planet. Okay. Mm. And after that, we started having sightings, and there were some crashes, things like this. Uh, mm -hmm. But they they took notice of the the third planet from the sun after that. So if, if the topic explosions affect them, why didn't they just come in and shut it off, shut it down? Uh, I would say that extraterrestrial species do live on this planet. The Anunnaki uh, live here. They have a uh, spaceport uh, in two different areas of, of the planet. Uh, one here on the west coast and one on the east coast. Uh, 
the tall whites are at Creech Air Force Base. Uh, the grays are at uh, Delcy Base in New Mexico. Uh, these species have, uh, and along with the reptilians at Delcy Base also, because both species, the grays and uh, reptilians are there, um, have an investment into mankind and Earth, and they would prefer not to see uh, a nuclear war on Earth. Uh, and I believe they would intercede on mankind's behalf, yes. Uh, there are agreements, written agreements, to that effect. Uh, I think that North Korea, while it poses uh, a tremendous threat to uh, the world, uh, that it could be eliminated very quickly. And uh, the United States has been given the technology to do it. And I think that Donald Trump is chomping at the bit to do it. And it may just happen here in, in the next 12 months. Uh, oh, if, why if is it always something that's going to be so... Not, if, yeah, go ahead. Kim Jong-un, uh, several uh, governments have vowed to eliminate him assassinate him. And I believe that that may happen. It's well, all... You know, it, it, the danger is the longer it takes, the, the worse the retaliation and the more of our troops in South Korea and stuff uh, that we're are going to uh, be jeopardized as well as Japan. And so it's, it's a very, very scary situation. Well, it's scary for the Chinese. Uh, the People's Republic of China don't want a nuclear war, and neither do the Russians. And they basically cut North Korea off economically. But right now, North Korea is building a nuclear-powered submarine that can launch missiles. And every one of those missiles is going to be targeted to the United States. I guarantee you. And so while that submarine is being built right now, uh, it needs to be blown out of the water. And we know it's being built. Yeah. So, we, we, we have, mankind is imperiled. Uh, if we have uh, a hydrogen bomb go off in the atmosphere, it will kill millions of people on this planet. There will be a few survivors but that they will ultimately die also. The extraterrestrial so, species, the Anunnaki, have told me that is the one thing they fear that may happen to us. And okay, so John, let's look at that, what you just said. We know that whoever they are, we know that they're, they can take out uh, Kim Jong-un without causing all this uh, for the rest of the planet and killing off millions and billions of people. So who is letting it happen and why? Because it could be done. It could be eliminated. It, it's, it's not that hard, you know? So uh, somebody I, is letting this happen for I, their I think motives. That the only one that's standing uh, within the government against it is, is Donald Trump. Uh, He's already said that if they go to a launch against us, he will take care of it. But 
The problem is submarines. And Kim Jong-un would use a submarine uh, missile system against us. And if they're, you know, like uh, within 100 miles of the West Coast or uh, 100 miles of the Hawaiian Islands or Guam or whatever it is, or the East Coast even, uh, those missiles are, are very hard to stop. It's nothing that the, the Patriot anti-missile system would be really equipped to do. So we would take hits. So they've got to hit them before. They've got to hit them before the uh, submarine is uh, uh, ready to launch. Even before that, before the submarine is is a viable submarine. They, they what they have to do is track all of the North Korean submarines and attack as much as they can simultaneously, and then the, within the next breath, they uh, level uh, what is uh, Panmunjom, uh, North Korea capital and then uh, proceed to eliminate the ground forces and air uh, force that North Korea has, literally. Well, John, wow. John, you were telling us how your facility was attacked or something, and it's in your book or something, and then the, the Anunnaki just basically, just like Star Trek, beamed them out. I Couldn't they very easily just beam out the... the uh, Subs and any other the, the nukes and anything else. And Kim, I mean, they can they can detect anybody or anything from the air. The Star Trek technology of being able to identify different species, different individuals. I, I, I they believe can do that, that they can. The planet. Yeah. I believe that they can, and uh, they could be prompted to do it. Uh, if talk apps. to your friends. Let me talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Tell them the, Dan wants to talk to them. <laughs> you know, they have to, it would be a, an attack, a simultaneous attack. And, and you could do it very easily. Uh, an Anunnaki uh, spacecraft uh, near the Korean Peninsula could do, take care of quite a bit of it. Uh, the Anunnaki have spacecraft, and they also have submersible uh, vessels that are in our oceans. And they could easily take out North Korean submarines. But right. that plan has to be uh, put together with Washington. And Washington has well, I don't to think decide. they need Washington's mission to save the Earth. I mean, they, I don't think they have to answer to anybody in Washington because they're so far, you know, it's kind of like having an answer to an ant when you're, a level five technology and you have humans that aren't even a level one yet, I don't think they really need permission from anybody. Who in Washington would be their equal? Nobody. Um, legally, we, we would have to have Donald Trump given some information, but could, could extraterrestrials do it? Uh, I believe they can. And yeah. I believe that uh, besides the Anunnaki, the tall whites can do it quite easily. Uh, I think that there is a line in the sand that extraterrestrials that have uh, colonies on this planet are watching to watching to see if the North Koreans cross it 
and then we may see some of that. I really do believe. Yeah, I think they're they've got they're invested in living here. They have their their own facilities and they have their own people. I don't think they're going to let the whole planet get nuked. And and how they talk to um, Trump has he been visited? Do you have any I, I will tell you that, that Trump has been read in on extraterrestrials. Absolutely. And what does he that mean? Knows. What do you mean read in? I think that he's been contacted. I think that he has had conversations. I think he's fully aware of what goes on at extraterrestrial spaceports on the planet. He's been read in. He he now he he's when I saw who he has appointed uh, as the national head of security and for uh, Department of Defense. Uh, I know he's read in because those guys know. He he's got the full story now, and the Russians do too, and so do the Chinese. And the Chinese, if you know, the Chinese, all they're trying to do is improve their economy through all this. They're not interested. Right. Have you heard a threat from the People's Republic of China over territory in the last? 20 years? No way. They're not interested in that. They're interested in commerce, in doing business with other countries, in spreading out their economy, and the Russians too. Uh, yeah, the so why thing- would they want to kill us off? Because we're their, their clients. It's illogical when you come, like if you're Ferengi, come on. The yeah. basis you think look at the societal basis like no you don't want to interfere with your customers you know we buy all kinds of stuff from china they they love us we're their best uh clients right you know we buy their stuff so then it's really not about money in that way i don't know i'm looking at the whole picture somebody's getting rich over all this and and some people are just very uh sociopathic where they don't give a damn about anybody else and so the they're rich doing it are getting richer. so what makes them so evil i mean disregard for consciousness is evil mm-hmm. having no regard for people and just looking down at us like we're a bunch of uh, bottom feeders they call us and uh, there's no regard no empathy no compassion that doesn't seem like a human quality or feature it seems inhumane on the Kardashev scale, mankind right this moment is at a level zero. Right. <laughs> we we. But there are know. individuals that are not. I mean, it's more than just about energy. It's about regard for your fellow beings. So there are many people like yourself and myself, and a lot of people that listen here on this show. And a lot of people I know personally that really do give a damn about their fellow man. They do care. So how can we reach critical mass with that type of attitude to create this shift? Uh, what do we do individually and collectively to create this shift? Collectively is called education. We have to teach people in the schools. All this, you know, they in the Islamic world, Young boys and girls are taught to hate the West and Christianity at a very early age. And then and the rest of the world needs to, at a very early age with young people, 
We need to teach them about the environment, about the planet, about endangered species, about being kind to one another, uh, and caring about one another. Uh, in the United States, we have a record amount of homeless people. We have a record amount of people that go without health care. Uh, and the and and the next problem after that is uh, crime, and then when you look at crime, then we have uh, trafficking with people, and then we have drugs. Those things have to end. Those things have to be brought to an end. One thing that really struck me about uh, the Anunnaki homeworld is everybody gets health care. It's just universal. You get it. The only other country I could even come close with on this planet is probably uh, socialized medicine that you get in the UK. You just get it. Mm -hmm. and, and, but here in the United States, healthcare, the healthcare industry, uh, because of the pharmaceutical industry, is a profit center. Right. You know, it's all about profit. And that has to end. It's just so many things. We have about five people that run healthcare in the United States of America. And they're the CEOs of all these healthcare providers. And the five of them take down millions of dollars every year in salary. Do they really need it? Do they really no. need it? I mean, nobody, nobody needs that much money. Nobody needs that much money. You know, Bottom line is, there's more than enough money to go around. Everybody, you know, we could satisfy the basic needs from the entire planet without anybody suffering. There's just, it's greed. It's hoarding. People who hoard money, that's a mental illness. These people are mentally ill. They're hoarding money. As we enter the holiday yeah. season here, Marsha, my wife, sits down and starts writing checks to charities and to environmental groups. And we give uh -huh. all the time. And we'll continue to give as my books sell. I'm, I will donate more. But it's, it's what we do. But does everybody do it? Uh, no. And then we have people like uh, Bill Gates who gave so much money to charities, he didn't even know that some of the charities he was giving money to uh, were basically fronts for ISIS. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. And he's not the only one, but some of that went on. And <laughs> uh, I just, I'm just appalled. And then the other thing is that Marsh and I both are, are get very upset with is when we hear we've given to a charity and we find out that the CEO of the charity is bring you know gets a million dollars a year in salary. Yeah. You know, when does it trickle down to the people that really need it? You know, uh, here in uh, where in the area where we live, there's a, a food pantry, and every year we give to the food pantry. And, and we get our friends to give to the food pantry. Uh, 
it, it's just something that we, we, we do. And I think that more people should. But perhaps we wouldn't have had this problem of homeless and joblessness. Oh, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back, back in about uh, five minutes. See in five. Okay. and a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, you can, and Event Horizons will give you those truths when you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore from that memorable scene in network, you'll know just what to do. We will draw you in and become your news addiction at Event Horizons. Join us Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time at freedomslips.com at Revolution Radio. Our world team members are Dennis Fetcho, John Ilias, David Dunger, Hila Cass, MD, Melanie Richton, Jim Mars, Paula Harris, John Trello, Maria Payan, Christopher Husser, D-O-D-D-S, Jonathan Orchard, and me, your anchor, Dr. Robin Falco. If uh, you decide not to volunteer, it will not be held against you in any way. Sounds dangerous. It is. Very dangerous. Count me in. That's right here, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps. Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? Is survival, or gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over three gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a mega virus or a computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records, addresses, phone numbers? We'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com. Yes, that's www.freedomslips.com. Click the banner on the homepage for the EMP proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer. So, folks, keep your data safe for your peace of mind. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. 
You don't need to expect us. We're already here. In breaking news, a visiting Syrian diplomat reported today that their population is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge, Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You calm down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. 
Aloha and welcome back to the Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at freedomsip.com. And I am your host, Janet Lesson, with Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson, producer Thomas Becker. And we have today our special guest, John Titer II, and we're talking about mankind. Will we continue to survive? <laughs> uh, but before we get back to our show, I'd like to remind everybody to please go over to that donation button on freedomslips.com and make your donation. Donate whatever you can today, 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, whatever you can afford, we would greatly appreciate. A mad painter, where are we in our process? Uh, we're roughly $500 shy right now, so please donate. Okay. The end of the month is rapidly approaching. It would be great if we could end up with more and coming at the final month of the year with more than we need. Alrighty. So, Dr. Lesson, are you back with us? I sure am, yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, having John tell us some more about uh, rock. The uh, people from Zeta Reticula have continually uh, been uh, the friends of, of this planet. And uh, uh, Len Kasdan actually credits them with helping us uh, defeat the Nazis. Uh, after they had de- defeated um, uh, Colonel um, Admiral Byrd back in '47, sunk the Pine Out Island and uh, killed 64 Marines and so forth, and uh, basically uh, the uh, the uh, story that the uh, the Zeta said is that uh, they um, were looking at our uh, research at Los Alamos and uh, they deliberately gave us uh, some chips and sec- technology. They arranged an exchange of 12 Americans to the uh, to Serpo and gave us an ambassador, and, and if I'm not mistaken, that very ambassador may ultimately have been your friend Rock, uh, or it may have been someone else, but I think it may well have been Rock, and they also gave us this wonderful thing called the Yellow Book, which talked about uh, the story of, of Jesus from their perspective, and so I, those are the two questions I'd like to ask you about, John, is about Rock, what's he like, what's your story with him? And what is the Anunnaki and Rock's idea of Jesus, and, and, and how does he fit into our drama? You know, I, I've had those discussions with Rock, and I will tell you that uh, at Rock, at various times, was military liaison and then uh, an envoy to the uh, United States, and that was his status. Uh-huh. And that is a status that he has retained and, and still uh, on on an envoy from uh, the Greys. And the Greys uh, are a race uh, that has been coming to this planet for tens of thousands of years, and their likenesses are all over Neolithic sites. And uh, quite mm-hmm. recently, uh, Gaia uh, produced uh, some film clips of... Uh, some bodies of greys that were exhumed uh, near Nazca, Peru. And I looked at the tapes, and I listened to the scientific data, and uh, the DNA of these beings was retrieved, and basically very close to our DNA. And I also asked... uh, Yahweh about DNA, and that I am probably 95% uh, Anunnaki, but there's a 5% that 
that has been changed. And so I am six foot two and some 200 pounds, but in, in very much like the Anunnaki, Anunnaki in other ways. Uh, but what I, I find that just fascinating. And, and Gaia, uh, they produced a, a series of clips, and I encourage everyone to look at them, uh, because uh, they depict greys with three toes and three fingers. And they also depict, at the wrists, metal implants. And these metal implants are used by the greys, not by all of them, by a few, to do levitation. Ah. And now, the Peruvian go government ahead, you, wanted go ahead. nothing to do with the exhumation of these uh, alien skeletons. I was just amazed. And and they were offered, uh, you know, uh, skeletons. They were offered the scientific data that was collected. And they they were not interested, did not want to hear it. And I find that very intriguing. But my, right. uh, kudos to Gaia because they pulled off the coup of the century because they actually produced the films and they're around. They have not been scrubbed off the internet. And I've even uh, placed uh, video clips on my own sites about it. And if you watch them, you will be very impressed. Oh, great. So I, your, I have a question about the... Yeah, your site. Take your Wait, question. Go ahead, honey. Well, we want to hear the site so that other people can see the pictures, too, John. What's, what, how uh, they you you can just log on to uh, G-A-I-A Gaia. Uh, uh -huh. you, you would have to go to your... You can go to my Facebook page, and you'd have to probably uh, thumb down uh, a couple dozen articles and it may be there or at my page 177th time travel division. Uh, I may have the clip ah. there also. So you, you don't necessarily have to go to Gaia. You can go to my Facebook pages, but they're Gaia clips. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I would, I would I, say I... Uh, that the gray aliens are similar to us, but they're only... For the most part, I've only ever seen rock. Uh, I've never seen really tall grays, and I'm told they exist. Uh, and this leads me to believe that uh, a couple people in Hollywood were read into the gray alien information a long time ago. And Steven Spielberg and George Lucas had the inside track with something uh, close encounters, that movie nails it. Yeah. The only thing that it doesn't show is the hands and the feet. They're three-toed and three fingers. And the, the toes are long and so are the fingers. Uh, I found that so interesting. John, how many toes and fingers does Rock have? Three on each hand and three toes. And 
Don't they that, have some species that have more fingers and toes? I, I've asked him about that, and he says there are variants of his species. And and the one thing about Zeta reticulans, you have to understand, their home world, uh, their environment was exhausted, and so they migrated across the galaxy, just as the Anunnaki have. They exhausted many planetary environments and moved on. And that is why one group in Washington, D.C. says, well, when we exhaust this planet, we'll just move on. And I have so discussed What happens this. to the planets that are exhausted? Do they ever recover once humanity is gone? Do they eventually recover and become viable again? It does happen in some instances, but it takes, if uh, you looked at this planet and said mankind was gone, it would take a couple hundred thousand years for everything that mankind has done as far as building civilization on the planet to be erased. Everything would fall decay after a a significant amount of time, and the planet could heal itself, yes. But in that time, mankind would not exist. On that planet. They might go elsewhere, <laughs> like you've indicated. So you were, you've said in previous shows that there are already colonies, but before we go beyond that, it, so there are, there are uh, species, there are beings that could come into a planet that's been devastated by, you know, like humans or, or greys, whoever comes in and devastates a planet, and, um, and revive it. I asked that question of Galway, and uh -huh. he said, look to Venus. And Venus remains uninhabitable. Uh, it's just a very hostile environment, and it was an environmental catastrophe. But it's not. Have they attempted to revive or, or, or terraform Venus into a habitable no. planet? Or is there so many planets that they don't have to bother to do that? No. And then now we, we talk about terraforming. Uh, Elon Musk uh, of Tesla fame and fortune. And, and Elon Musk wants to go to Mars next year and terraform it. And the problem is that there was a thermonuclear war all over Mars. And right. it's not ready to be terraformed. And he's going to get there. What's that? Hasn't he been included in the loop? I have traded emails with him. And I, I still get emails from him. And, and I, what I've tried to indicate to him is that uh, you're not going to be able to terraform it successfully. Uh, sending people there uh, at the price tag of $100,000 for a, a one-trip way trip to Mars, uh, it's not going to get you anything. He'll get richer, but the colony will fail. And he's going to find that there are extraterrestrials, other species, living on Mars. Right. And aren't, aren't there hostile beings and uh, very primitive, like uh, dinosaur-type beings? 
that are big consumers of humans that think they're yummy? There, there are certainly some exoplanets out there. When I surveyed uh, some exoplanets uh, here, probably uh, in the in the twilight of my career with uh, the Air Force, um, I saw planets that uh, were basically at the end of their their lifetime with. Uh, a civilization that had failed and was in ruins, and I saw some very young planets that had the beginnings of life, and some planets that had uh, animal life that you would compare to dinosaurs. Yes, and I saw, and and I reported on uh, planets that could be inhabited by uh, us, Homo sapiens, and I thought that could. Uh, lend themselves well to uh, cultivation and to colonies uh, for mankind, and that had sufficient so, natural resources to make them self-sufficient ultimately. And then we have two colonies that are self-sufficient. Off-world. So did those did those colonies did those worlds have? Um, Different species already living there, like yes. animals, or what yes. did they have? Uh, what, tell us a little they bit had, about those planets. You know, so oh, first, where, where where were they? Let's start with where where are they? How many light years are they? And stuff like that. Uh, I I think that I I talk about it in my second book. Uh, no, 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 no. But be in the, it's in the first book. And I, I give a list of planets. I actually do. Ah. It's in Great. the first book, Authorized Chronicles of John Titer Two. And and the distances aren't that great uh, when you're traveling greater than the speed of light. So they're out there. But we've discovered more and that need to be explored. I believe they are being explored all the time. We look for new worlds. We do. It's all part of the secret space program. And, you know, the, the rich 1% uh, doesn't universally know, but will know at the right time that they can pay to get off the planet. And they will. A very Have you visited the colonies that you helped uh, establish? Or you helped, you found the colonies and then you recommend them for recommended for them to be colonized and, and terraformed and whatever was else was done. Have you visited them since I, I have that actually with Marcia two of the colonies. And they were very nice. Very nice. But you know uh -huh. they're in the process really of they don't have subdivisions or malls. <laughs> they don't have their mall yet. Donald's and they don't area. have barracks. They have private dwellings. They do have that. Uh, they have security fences to keep animals out. Okay? They have police uh -huh. forces. They have a military force. Uh, they have uh, spaceports. You know? They have air traffic control uh, going on. But... Uh, and they have factories and things like that. And they have mining going on. Oh, yes. In a big way. 
and they're discovering new minerals that lend themselves uh, very well to the creation of spacecraft and propulsion systems. And uh, that is part of the reason that extraterrestrials came to this planet. They were looking for resources on this planet that they didn't have. And they found them. Mm -hmm. And they mined them. Uh, one of them, as we know, was gold, but there were other uh, natural resources that they came here after and got them. And remnants copper. of these old mines are all over the world. They got copper right. from Lake Michigan, too. So, uh, it, it's, it's just fascinating. One of the things that I... What do they I, use? I, Go ahead. One of the things that I found fascinating, and I was touring uh, some storage facilities, and, and I asked, well, you know, I saw people spraying in the storage facilities, and, and I, I asked, what are you spraying for? And they said, cockroaches. And I said, <laughs> wow. how did cockroaches get to this planet? And they said, they weren't here initially, but they're here now. Yeah. So, oh my God. The short and, and long of cockroaches is that they are a prehistoric insect on this planet alone. And I found that right. fascinating. You know, and the and the other day I went into to our kitchen in in my home with Marsha and and there was this one little cockroach that was scurrying away. Uh, off a kitchen <laughs> and so the next day we had a, a, a very rigorous cockroach abatement program and I had to sit Marsh uh -huh. down and say, do you know how long cockroaches have been around and <laughs> millions of years yeah you know it's a well, very after humans are gone that's for sure what does it take to wipe out a cockroach <laughs> the cockroaches you know, and and very likely, when life ceases here, uh, there may be some insects that remain. Uh, quite recently, uh, I watched a video clip uh, from Iceland. And even in 210 degree Fahrenheit water, life exists. So life on some level may exist after 33 years from now, 100 years from now. But the problem is with mankind. We may not be here. Uh, the, the sad fact of the matter is, uh, as things start to collapse for mankind, we have pandemics come back, like smallpox, uh, diphtheria, cholera, uh, you know, Flutes that we don't have any control over, uh, and we've had these kinds of pandemics in the past. Ebola, uh, for one. I mean, when uh, the internal medical structure breaks down, uh, mankind will have a very tough time of it. And and that's what I foresaw when I originally went to the future to 2050. That's what I saw, the the end of mankind, and my entire. Now Went with There's me. More than one PTSD. future, though, right? What? There's more than one future. That's 
that's not set in stone. That's just a future. That's not. I, I have been trying for uh, the last decade to change that. And, and so, how do you know that you changed it or not? Do you keep going back to the future? Uh, I've been back recently. Okay. And you have to be very careful. You don't want to. You can observe, but do not touch. And I looked, right. and things weren't that much better. But they were better. Slightly, in some Slightly areas. Better. Okay. But so, haven't they been playing with timelines? They the mystical day. The, I know that uh, they will change the timeline at their discretion. I know it. I know they've done it, and I watched them do it. Uh, and the, the, the goal of time travel was to observe. And at some point, they thought they could preserve mankind as a species that would be the the new goal you know if you could prevent an all-out thermonuclear war and and thereby save mankind do it and so they have and i know they've done it a few times it's very risky business when you start playing well, with you do one of those those type of, of, of types of attempts yourself it was in your first book that the um, yes, I forget what country they were going to attack us using nukes on planes that that flew in behind commercial aircraft, and so then you went back and you showed whoever that was what country what would oh, happen man. to them, which yeah. And and are we, we on that timeline? We changed the timeline once. I did that my. Uh, I had a team, and I directed them, and they did it. And okay. uh, then I went back in time once and changed the timeline uh, by killing off an invading force of extraterrestrials that went to the year 230 B.C. in China and were trying to take over China. And so you've done, you've done two major interventions. Yes. Are we still on that timeline, or are we on a different timeline? Uh, we're on, the last timeline that we're still on is from when I sent the team to uh, Iran. We're on that one, and we've we've reasoned that one through and talked to scientists, and they say we're pretty sure that's the one we're on. And that, because that's the one closest to us. But uh, it's all so about. So, are there other people playing with the timelines? I mean, Stuart Wardlow talked about, um, you know, about timeline manipulation and from the Montauk program. And then there's other time travel or time viewing systems like the chronovisors. And I mean, it's how do we ever I know, know where we are? <laughs> that are most viable are the, the stationary time machine uh, designed by Michio Kaku uh, at Area 51 
And then the other method is to actually have a spacecraft that can travel faster than the speed of light. But uh, I, I would have to say that, I, and, and both of my books now have been reviewed by the CIA. I, uh, an analyst friend of mine at the CIA reviewed the second book. He says, no, both books are correct. And, and you know, like, no one has ever criticized the, the technology I talk about in the books, either authorized mm -hmm. or continued chronicles of John Titer II. Uh, the only attacks I ever get is from an ex-business partner. Who, who for... <laughs> right. <laughs> for, who, for, as a, just a, a matter of good taste... I'm not going to say his name on this telecast. Good idea. Good idea. Let's not do that. We won't um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I would like to really uh, not not uh, leave the subject of Rock as the ambassador because he was accompanied uh, by uh, the yellow book that told that told something about uh, Jesus and the possibility that the uh, dedicated human, as they uh, seem to call him. Uh, could be returning, and I and uh, I hear a lot of rumblings like that, and I just wonder, is he an Anunnaki? What do you know about uh, Jesus? I, I have not heard anything about that. I have not. Uh, I, I would also say that uh, very likely uh, Rock is reaching the end of, of his uh, appointment and will either go to the Anunnaki homeworld as an envoy there or go back to his homeworld. I don't know. Wow. But I, will, I will see no, Rock over the holidays. Oh, I, good. Tell uh, And I don't know if I, I've, I've told you this before, but, you know, like, uh, Marsha likes Rock to beam down to the backyard. She thinks yeah. that if he comes to the front door, that that's too much information for other people. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> you know, and because, uh, you know, like the, the, the people that work for me that uh, do security, uh, they wouldn't grasp it. But they've seen him. They've seen him. I've had security personnel come into the house, and he's sitting there on the couch munching on Doritos and petting my cat. So, oh, and, and the the cat makes him pet her. So, what can I say? I don't. Know. <laughs> but pet usually, me. the the cat sleeps with me and Marcia. So, you know, I I'm I'm pretty sure the cat thinks that we're here for her benefit. Yeah, has, yeah I, I agree. She has a whole different perspective on reality, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, they do. I have a couple questions. Um, yeah, well, Brock is a very important person. I would love it if he would just come over here sometime and say hi to me. Because I, I have different, I have Grays come visit, uh, you know, now and again. One popped into my uh, living room, but I don't know who they are. They might be friends of Brock's, but... I mean, it was like it was getting light, so it was uh, 
dawn, and and um, I was wide awake, and I was just having, of course, salt telepathic communication with him. But um, okay, my questions are: I think, I, I have, correct me if I'm wrong, but they they were called the Dropas or something, uh, in, in China, China or Tibet. Yeah. Yes. Um, Errol the Great, who was the one that was interviewed at at Roswell, she was in her avatar like a doll baby, and they they. She didn't die. She just left the doll baby, went back to her other form, just like the movie Avatar. Doll body. Huh? But uh, she, yeah, her body. She called it the doll baby. The body was uh, like a doll. It was very small and uh, fragile. But anyway, what she says is the dropas in China uh, or Tibet, wherever that is, are are the grace, and they got trapped in the cycle of um, reincarnation. Like there's like there's a prison type system that keeps people and beings and souls locked in this cycle of reincarnation. Is that something that you're aware of or you ever talked to Rock about? Uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with the Dropa story and, and the Dropa story was suppressed by the Chinese government and uh, there was these stones that were discovered, the Dropa stones in a cave and a Chinese scientist uh, examined them and uh, examined uh, other artifacts in the cave and talked to uh, native peoples in the area. And the Dropas basically were an extraterrestrial species and they looked uh, to be gray-like and they crash-landed in China and they tried to assimilate with local indigenous peoples and the people there turned on them and killed them. Right. And, and so another illustration why if you're a great alien and you're smaller than the indigenous people, better stay uh, out of their path and out of their sight. And so that's one of the things that kind of just follows through today. Uh, mm -hmm. At the spaceport uh, at Creech Air Force Base, the tall whites, very intelligent tall beings, very similar to us, uh, light-skinned, blonde-haired, sometimes reddish blonde hair, uh, six to seven feet tall, uh, they call them the tall whites, pale skin, uh, sometimes seen gambling in casinos <laughs> in Vegas, but they're right. supposed to be at Creech Air Force Base, which would been there for a very long time. It used to be a gunnery range. And then in the 1950s, a spaceport was created for them there. But for the most part, uh, they stay out of the limelight and, you know, they, they stay away from us. But I have seen them in the casinos myself. Uh, uh -huh. And these are a younger uh, male types, occasionally a female type in their company. And they're not supposed to be there. But with any juveniles, they're more likely to do what they're told not to do. Do they stand <laughs> out or do they blend? Yeah, uh, teenagers, yeah, juveniles. Do they stand out or do they blend? With they stand their, out. They're, they're albino to some degree. They're albino. Okay, but, but there are but they're telepathic. And uh, I've spoken with them telepathically and said, you know you're no you're not supposed to be here 
And that really shook him up because I could do that. <laughs> and I've seen, uh, we were in Vegas, we go about once a year because we go to different conferences, and, and I've seen the little greys walking around too. And they try to blend in as human, but they, they don't quite, I can see them. I've seen them. And I've, I, whenever you're going past somebody that uses uh, telepathic communication, my third eye buzzes. My crown, like third eye crown area buzzes. Like I, I get this vibration. Is that what it feels like to you when you're talking mm -hmm. or communicating or picking up telepathic? I get a buzz sometimes. I, I usually hear them conversing when I'm in uh, close proximity. You know, one of my favorite games to do is I will go to the mall with Marcia and just sit down and then listen to people's thoughts as they walk by. It's very uh -huh. interesting. Uh, and I lo love to do it. And as long as they don't know I'm doing it, uh, it's very entertaining. Uh, <laughs> you, you see a group of girls chatting, you know, and what they talk about, it's very enlightening. Uh, uh. <laughs> what, you know, like, I would have to say that I, I've, I've always been a little afraid of the female of the species and, and everything that I've learned in life for the last 70 years has gone to confirm that they are the more deadly of the species. I just want to tell you that. Yes. Yes. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, I, my I, other you know, question. I try to be careful about it. Yes. <laughs> my other question, being female, <laughs> no, um, the time technology that they used in the Philadelphia experiment. Is that the same type of time travel technology that it's our very close is to currently it. using? Very close to it. That was the Philadelphia experiment was a collaboration of Einstein and Tesla. And they succeeded in a very limited way, but their experiment really failed when you had people that got trapped inside bulkheads. <laughs> Right. And, now, are they still operating in Montauk? I've had people investigate up there. They apparently moved the Philadelphia experiment to Montauk, and then you have all the books. As, as far the as Montauk I know, project. that has been closed. There, there has well, that's been a suspicious. And, right. and <laughs> that, that site's been closed for many years. Uh, and then you know, um, there's a, you know, like one of the interesting things is, you know, there's an Area 51. Did you know there's an Area 52? Yeah. What's what's the difference between 51 and 52? 52 is located in a different geographic place. Okay. Do they have the same purpose or do they have purposes? And not near 51? No. But as a site where, where they assemble very, very large spacecraft. Okay, and where is that? What state or what the what world part of the world? I, I would say that the easiest way to find <laughs> extraterrestrial sites, if you just look at dem the United States demographically and look for the least populated areas in the northern part of the United States and below the Canadian border, uh, that is probably uh, near uh, 
the Rocky Mountains, you'll okay. nail it. You'll nail it. And you can't see anything when you fly over. Uh, just as with Area 51, a lot of Area 51 is below ground. Right. So, same situation. But they, they, they had took greater care in creating an Area 52. So those, those people can't go to Vegas. <laughs> go ahead, I, Donnie. I would be admonished by handlers if I gave away Area 52. Okay, but if there was on. a place if there was a place that they were going to use as a staging area to take people off-world to uh, colonies, uh, that would be it. That's the staging okay. area. Go ahead, Sasha. Uh, John, before we, uh, before, be, yeah, be, uh, before we uh, finish, I, this is a different station than we were on before, and so I would really like you to talk a little bit about your experience of, uh, of, of finding yourself an adult person with uh, memories that were fed to you, that you uh, realized were fed to you, and uh, how you came to understand how you were cloned, how Marsha was cloned, and how the cloning program worked and is working. Um, they basically gift you with memories, and uh, they do it very well, uh, but there are gaps in the memory, and that's the first thing that you detect, memory gaps. Okay, this is my history up till the time I uh, graduated high school, but how did I get here? Here I am at Dulcie Base, and I'm in a, a secret program, and... I'm being tested mentally all the time. So they gift you with memories, and then there are gaps in your memory. And you have some trepidation if, if you're eliminated from the program, what happens to you? And basically, uh, I, I've since learned that clones that don't make the cut, that can't be released into society or to a functioning uh, military unit are deactivated. Wow. You mean killed? Uh, that's not what they call Does it. Does that they mean call, they're killed? It's called deactivation. So that's what happens. You weren't fully cooked. Yeah. What does that mean? You, you lay down on a table and never wake up. Oh. And they don't tell you that's what's going to happen to you. It's like never being born. Yeah. Wow. And then, and then if you have yeah. usable organs that they can transplant, they remove those. Nothing wow. is wasted. And wow, organs were a source of organs for uh, VIPs within the federal government. So, so when that happens to you and you hear that's happening, did you feel like and most human beings would feel fear? Um, did, that, did you feel scared about that? To some degree. I don't worry about it so, anymore. <laughs> so since, they, that, since you're like still alive and you're, you're retired, they, they, they must have rewarded you for your service or something. They must value you. They do. Uh, I still get... Uh, Telephone calls to go to Palmdale International Airport and get on Janus Airlines and 
go to Area 51. Uh, I'll probably go there next week sometime. It just happens. Uh, I, I would tell you that, you know, I keep a, a loaded 45 automatic on the nightstand. <laughs> and and I'm a very you. cautious person, you know. Uh, and when I, I go get on Janus Airlines, uh, I usually have a 45 automatic with me. They never ask me about it. Uh, okay. Just, just take it along. Uh, everybody gets to carry one bag. And it's in the bag. But it's I, in I, the bag. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to deactivate me. I, I don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, do they pay you for all these years you've been working for them? You get your I, pay. I get a stipend around the first of every month. That's that's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. It won't buy me uh, a Lamborghini, but it, it's pretty nice. I, I oh, cool! I'm glad you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will. I will tell you that that uh, Marsha and I are very well invested, and uh, we we sat down with accountants and attorneys not too long ago when we looked at what our net worth was and it was substantial. It's substantial. Oh, I'm really excited about that, yeah. You know, like I, <laughs> we will we will never want for anything uh, except, you know, like I did see a house in Portofino, uh, Italy that I really liked up on the hill overlooking the, the little uh, bay there and, and uh, I wanted it Marcia wanted me to pay cash and I didn't have the two million handy that was oh, a cheap wow. price so yeah well I wish I could say the same but we, we're pretty we're pretty silly we didn't invest properly so we're you know we're just living day to day just like the rest of the world but one, one that's the, good to hear the traps that Marsh and I fall into, you know, like uh, we look at, you know, commercials on TV about new cars, and, and we have paid-for cars, and they're they're very nice, and we just own them outright, and it's just like the house we live in is paid for outright, and so, you know, if if Marsha wanted something, we'd just go pay cash for it. If you can imagine going right. to the dealership. And you telling them you're just going to pay cash for the car because you want it, and they say you're sure you don't want to finance it. <laughs> it's it's a different world yeah. for us. Uh, different world. I can know, only imagine. Yeah, financially, <laughs> you pay twice as much. We pay our taxes right. though. We do pay taxes. Uh, I will tell you that our next vacations are uh, we go to Tahiti, and then we go. Uh, to Peru, I want to go visit Nazca and the caves where they exhume uh, the great aliens. And uh, we'll do that. And then there's some Neolithic sites there that I want to visit and meet with uh, Brian Forster. I want to go on one of his trips. Oh. So uh -huh. there's a lot to see and do. But the main thing is the civilization on this planet 
was more technically advanced at one point. And then we basically uh, had a, a thermonuclear war all over this planet and Mars and uh, various parts of Venus. And we bombed ourselves back to the Stone Age. Right. And so could we do it again? Yeah, possibly. The, the, there are some archaeologists that I have talked to recently, and they say that civilization has started over not less than 14 times on planet Earth. Wow, now, that's interesting. Now, how many times did those civilizations have the power to extinguish themselves with thermonuclear war? At least two times that I know of. Yeah. So, there's, there's, when you look at the, the history of mankind, you know, like, uh, you, you really need to, besides looking at Neolithic sites, then you need to look at the giant cover-up, literally the giant. There are giants all over the planet. Uh, and yeah. they were Anunnaki. And uh, one of the, the my favorite sites to visit is uh, Lovelock Cave in Nevada. And you can go to the museum nearby, and they have bones of giants. And these were red-haired, blonde-haired giants with multiple rows of teeth. Wow. And so and those kinds of them. giants found all over the planet. Yeah. And they're Anunnaki. So, all I can yeah, tell you the is... The Smithsonian dumped a bunch of the skeletons. They, they destroyed them because it didn't go with the official policy. They actually destroyed and, uh, many giant skeletons. The Smithsonian uh, received lots of uh, specimens of giants uh, from all over this country. And, you know, they don't have them on display. And uh, they don't seem to know what happened to them. It's like McKenzie Cave uh, that they found in the Grand Canyon. Uh, they, they basically dispute that they ever received artifacts from the McKenzie expedition into the Grand Canyon, at which they found Egyptian and uh, Asian artifacts in this cave in the Grand Canyon. Now, why would that be? Right. And, and what you have to understand is that there was a civilization that lived in the Grand Canyon and that there are many walls within yeah. the Grand Canyon that are absolutely flat and straight up and down. Now, that does not occur in nature. But there so was... So what, what do you know about their culture? Do you have any information? What they were like? I'm, I'm still unraveling that. And I'm emailing back and forth and gathering information. And some of my information comes directly from the source, Anunnaki. And what I'm told is mm -hmm. that there was a civilization in the Grand Canyon. And that water wouldn't have created all of that. And that there was a civilization living along the shores of the Colorado River. Oh, yes. Was it bombed uh, out of existence? Oh, yeah. And, and were there ant people in the Grand Canyon? Yes. 
and the ant people are another species that we don't talk about too often, but the Hopi Indians do. And there remains a time portal in the Grand Canyon on Hopi land. And you can go from one, uh, I would guess, world to another world. And the other world is more advanced. But there is a portal there. What about the inner earth or the uh, right underneath the earth? Are there other cultures there? Hollow earth? Yeah. Uh, Hollow earth and right underneath the earth, like uh, Antarctica. I, I'm, I'm not a, a, a real proponent of hollow earth because uh, the earth is a living, breathing planet. And uh, our core of this planet is molten. Uh, rock uh, that is mostly of iron ore. Uh, so that is the core of this planet. Now, the crust of the Earth is goes quite a ways, but wherever you go down in depth, it gets hollow. If you hike from the top of the Grand Canyon to the bottom, it's substantially hotter at the bottom. <laughs> it's all about uh -huh. the earth's crust and what's down at the center of the earth. So would that sustain life? I'm, I'm thinking that it's not impossible, but not life as we know it. But I have yet to investigate and people and this portal to another civilization that exists on Hopi land. Uh, that in Chaco Canyon are other things that I plan to investigate in before I right. depart this world. <laughs> right. Now we only have a few minutes oh. left. Let's start summarizing what we want to cover. Uh, but I only have like two minutes. Uh, uh, we'll have to do some other shows, John. Of course we will. Uh, what would you like our listeners to know? I think we only have about two or three minutes. Uh, I got your other email, and, and I will firm up a schedule with you about okay, other good. shows. I'm, I'm very interested in doing more shows with you. Uh, and I, I would like to uh, discuss uh, my next book, Answers in Stone, because I think ah. that people don't understand. They see Neolithic construction, like at Baalbek, and they see... Stones that weigh hundreds of tons that we can't lift today with modern machinery, and they don't understand those stones were lifted into place <laughs> by a technologically right. advanced civilization. And so that would be the, the bulk of my next book. I'm going to say uh, we're, we're the result of what happens to a civilization when it bombs itself back to the Stone Age. We're living it. We are. Right. We were technically advanced at one time, and because we didn't understand uh, what we had and probably uh, suffered with some people that uh, were, were greedy beyond what they needed to be, for whatever, they created an environment where... Uh, Total nuclear war uh, brought us back to the Stone Age. 
and we're what came after. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> Thank, All you right. so Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt Hater, listeners, Aloha, lovers. Okay. Aloha. Aloha, and I will be talking uh, to you. advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listeners supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Moscow's freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're screwed. can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener supported radio. Reporting to danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution. Revolution. Radio. What do you see? Homes being foreclosed. People working two, three jobs just to put food on the table and still drowning in debt. Don't get me wrong. This country is founded on great ideals and principles. They've all been ruined by the banks. Open your eyes to the banks that are robbing you. You know who my favorite president was? Oh, Thomas Jefferson. Because he saw all of this coming and tried to stop it. He fought the banks. JFK too, and they killed him for it. The banking institution is more dangerous than an army, he said.